So I'm so honored to be here this evening. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, tonight I'm going to be talking about what God was putting on my heart about let there be light. Because Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And, and for a long time I thought, you know, like this light shines. And in everything, in everything that we do, like we're, we're in a world that needs light, it means there's a darkness. But the way Jesus modeled this light that he preached and told us to carry was not something that even the darkness could contain. Every room that he walked in, if there was a demon, something manifested. If there was a sickness, something happened. So I began to ponder, I was like, how am I the light of the world in this world when I walk into situations and I feel depressed instead? I carry things I should not be carrying. I'm depending on, on, on this generation of things. You know what? My parents suffered with that, so I know why I have it. You know, you know this, this brokenness has been running in our household for a very long time. Maybe God wants it this way. Maybe this financial burdensomeness is because we don't know how to run finances, and so therefore we struggle in our finances 24-7. We, like, we have modeled our lives in a lightless demonstration of who Christ is, because I think most of the time what we think of light is like, God, you made me light. In other words, you want to maintain who you are, but just have this little thing of God on the inside of you, just like, you know, when it's dark, I turn it on, and when, and when it's light, I turn it off. Turn off, yes. <laughs> and I want to tell you t- today, maybe, and I'm convinced, that's not what God intended. I want to take you to a place when Jesus was born, what was going on is almost identical to what was going on when the church was born. When Jesus was being born, I mean, Rome was at its highest power authority. Rome was the picture of paganism. You know, what we call myths right now, those guys truly believed it. What we call, what, and what Rome did so well that's so amazing is whenever they would capture a new territory, they just adopted their gods. And so, to the point in one of the books by Rick Renner, um, having your head on straight in a, in a world going crazy. He says, at some point, it was so difficult to count how many gods and demigods and uh, sources of life that these people had, and they truly believed in each one of them. And nobody in their life is thinking, well, is there a kingdom that's going to come and shed more light than the light we have now? If you're going to talk about prosperity, Rome was rich. If you're going to talk about victory, Rome won battles. If you're going to talk about money, Rome had money. I mean, what else could explain another God to this person? At that time, it was also so treacherous to to the point that, you know, the the only nation that Rome did not adopt their God is the nation of Israel. Have you ever thought about that? They adopted all other gods, except when they got to Israel, they were like, no, 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 no. You, we shall bring you our gods. And the only nation that resisted Rome's gods was Israel, because every single time they had a message 
from the forefathers. They had this gospel that is not the New Testament yet. They had prophecies. They had prophets. They had leaders that you would sense the light of what they carried was really encapsulated in the message they had. I'll say that again. The light that they carried was encapsulated in the message that they had. In other words, something happens when we conceive this message of Jesus Christ. I usually tell people in our meetings, I said, you know, you can speak the word of God all you want. It comes in one ear, it comes out your mouth. And that's okay. But if you want to see effective change in your life, is when that word begins to change you and your environment is bothered by what's happening in your life. Hallelujah. Your environment is like, there's something happening in his life, in her life, that I need to get identified with. And this is what is happening with the Israelites. Can you imagine people who are walking in the wilderness and manna is falling from heaven? All the neighboring countries are concerned. There's a group of people. They're not that many. There's a few of them. And they have this God who makes things happen for them. They conquer nations, but they don't have weapons. They walk on dry land in the middle of the sea. They have a fire by night. They have a cloud by day. In the middle of the desert, they find drinking water. This is the God who's proving that there's a message I have sent. And every time they murmured and lost the message, they had Moses who would go to God and say, Man, I know they don't believe, but because you are God and you're merciful, do this one more thing. And I'm asking you today, is this message bearing light in you? Because if you, if you think about it, the Roman people had a culture, had an imagination, worshipped, studied, and gave their devotion to their gods. Every, every area that they went to, they were meant to destroy anybody that did not believe. They used muscle, appearance, presence. And here comes Jesus... As a little baby, no army, no muscle, no money, but what he carried was the message that was transforming him and the environment around him. He could speak to spiritual things in within people, and they will begin to change them outwardly. What am I saying? The light that I'm calling <laughs> the light is, is something that other people will see in you because it's affecting you. I think the greatest tool of the gospel, even in the New Testament, is people saw Christians and they said, we want to be like them. There was a man who was following Paul around saying, can I pay for this gift that you have? How much can I give you? I mean, you read throughout the book of Acts, there's people who are saying, now Paul has become a god. He was at the island of Malta when he was beat by the, by the viper. And they wanted to worship him. And he's like, no, 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 there's a message that I have on the inside of me. Can you imagine at the inception of Christianity, what people had first was not the message. What people saw first. Aren't those the drunk people? How can they be drunk in the morning? The next thing they had, they were like, they were speaking tongues. And they were speaking these languages. And then... I'm like, 
Here is a world outside of Christ, hearing what Christ is doing in a room, and they start gathering outside this room. What is going on in there? I mean, if they're drunk, why are you staying? If they're speaking your language and you understand what they're saying, there's something that is making you stay more than what they said. You want to see who's going to walk out of that room. Were they a bunch of kids? Were they a bunch of adults? And to me, that's why I want to say here, here's the first moment this thing happened. There was an interpretation of tongues by people who were not even anointed for them. Because they first said, we had them. They were speaking in crazy languages. And then the next verse says, and they were speaking in this language, in that language, and we had them speaking these things. By the time Peter comes out of the upper room, uh, people are just waiting for, we know what happened to you. And we can see it. Now share it with us. Is that how your prayer closet feels like when you come out? You know, I see these things on Facebook where they say, you know, I went to my prayer closet, I was like a rabbit, and then I came out as a lion. You know, it's like, uh, you know, like, I'm like, I'm getting the mental picture. But is that really what's in your heart when you go to meet with God? Is that the strength you're drawing? Because you see as being this thing that's just standing there with this little light. This, this shape will never change. But what, but what happens to us is we are, this new life comes into us, and that life begins to deal with all the philosophies and fallacies that we have grown up in. Because I grew up poor, I'm supposed to stay poor. Because my parents are like this, I'm supposed to stay like this. You have to start breaking those from within before you can break them off of somebody else. And thank God for the grace of God that sometimes even when we pray and we're dealing with things, we see other people getting healed. You're like, yeah, I mean, that happened. But what doesn't happen every time? And Jesus comes on the scene and he's not even interested in doing the miracles. He does less miracles than Moses did. He doesn't part the seas. He doesn't do what the world will call incredible And he comes and says, you know what, the way I'm going to be the best light for them is I'm going to hang on the cross. And I'm going to die. And I'm going to rise again. And I'm going to adopt them in the family. I'm going to make them my father's kids. And what is mine is theirs, and what is theirs is mine. There's no other greater sacrifice of any kingdom or king of this nature that transformed people's lives without equipping them with tools of manipulation with tools of muscle, with tools of getting attention. Here's what was going on during the book of Acts. And this is some of the things I try to study how Christianity began. And I try to pay attention to how it's going. Because now I find myself in a world where we declare to be believers. And when we walk into situations, our message is gone. We just be like, well, I don't know what's going on with you. Maybe God wants you to be that way. Because we're afraid if we say something that does not happen, then we'll be, we will be embarrassed. I'm learning these moments of, of discovering, David, there's something you don't have. If you don't have a word for this situation, get back to the word of God. If you don't have something to say, keep your mouth shut. Go in your prayer closet and say, God, I ran into a situation today and I didn't know what to say. Are you really a provider? I remember there's a story in the Bible where there's a famine in Israel, and uh, 
and they're calling Elijah in to come in and, and, and help if he had a word from the Lord. And then he tells them, this time tomorrow, there's going to be enough food that you won't be able to, to contain it. And one of the generals comes and says, eh, I don't know what you're drinking. I don't know what Kool-Aid you're drinking, but the way things are right now, it ain't going to change in one day. And then Elijah says, you will see it, but you won't partake of it. The word says, the very next day, a bunch of lepers are walking down into this camp, and they find food. Just, can you imagine acres and acres of food? <laughs> and then they come and tell the king, and the king and the general are running to go to that site. <laughs> and this general got trampled over <laughs> by the people running to the site and died. He heard of it, he saw it, but did not experience it. But to me, that paints a picture of us believers today, that I find us in this place where we're, we are so quick to turn off the light and turn off the message because we want to see things that are like, ah, you know what? God can do miracles, but this one. You know, when God in heaven chose to shine his light into the earth, what did he do? He spoke it in Genesis. And what does he do later? He manifests it in a person. So pretty much the picture of what light God wanted to shine in the world is a picture of you and I. And through us, the world would know who Christ is. In other words, we're supposed to conceive this thing. And this is where the most interesting part happens as the church is at its inception. There was some Roman highly educated, they call them sophists or others, Gnostics, that decided that, you know what, because, because all of our paganism is based on some form of mystery, so let's get this Jesus they're talking about and add them on. So what does Jesus say? He say, you forgive, you be forgiven, like, we believe that. Moral, M- morally, if you want to live longer, you have to love people. Uh, so it was like this. So people that were getting saved earlier on in the ministry, they were struggling with finding the difference between what these highly educated people thought and what these highly uneducated people who had been transformed by the power of God preached. But there's something that happens (laughs) to the people that may have known less because of the Holy Spirit at work in them that God gave them gifts. Prophecy, words of wisdom, words of knowledge. I mean, they were saying things that otherwise even the smartest and the wisest would ask them, how did you know that? And I think this is God saying that, you know what? I just, I just didn't give you the light so you can go stand somewhere on top of a mountain and just turn it on. I gave you this ability that you can, you, you can be contagious with this light. There's people walking in darkness every day. I, I mean, this thing was burning through me because I remember not too long ago I got COVID and I was home and, and I'm just sitting down, couldn't even read a book. It's like I'm so fatigued, my, my eyes are like rolling out, temperature was so high for the first two days. And I, and I remember just saying, God, this light that I preached, everybody, this gospel that, that you give me, 
does it do the same power in me? I said, have I conceived this message in my life? Because if it's not changing me, then I need to get back in the closet. I need to understand what it means to be a child of God all over again. I need to understand what it means to proclaim, to go through things. And I remember as I started meditating on that, I started getting strength. (laughs) I was down for two days. The third day, Marf was like, you're supposed to be in bed, you know? I said, no. If I stay in bed, then I don't believe what I believe. I need to stop fighting what I, for what I believe because what, something is, be- and then she's like, you were not talking the other days, you were all quiet, you didn't want nobody saying anything. I said, tell the kids to play, let them, let them do whatever they want, but he'll give you a headache. No, <laughs> I'm okay. <laughs> and I remember I started this, this kind of angry celebration in my life, just started to, I started to seeing small changes begin to happen. In two days I was like no temperature, no headache. I was eating. And I was like, okay, God, now help me understand what is happening because had I missed it this whole time? And this is when these things started happening to me. And this is what God said. The word of God isn't for debate or rebuttal. Study it until it changes you to the world you live in. I'll say that again. The word of God isn't for debate or rebuttal. Study it until it changes you to the world you live in. And we see this happening. I want you to go with me to Isaiah chapter 32, verses 15 to 20. Until the spirit is poured out upon us from on high, and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field, and the fruitful field is counted as a forest, Oh, I want to like come on just that one verse. So what is making the difference about this prophecy that Isaiah is preaching to the people of God? He said, well, everything that you have may be going great. But he says, until the spirit is poured upon us from on high. Now look what happens when, when the spirit of God comes. The wilderness becomes a fruitful field. Let me ask you this question. Is there fruit yet? Or just the mere presence of the Spirit makes the wilderness a fruitful place. Isaiah is saying these things 400 plus years ago before Jesus shows up to to tell us, I'm going to give you a helper, the Holy Spirit. And he's teaching them by saying, you know what? The people that receive the Holy Spirit, automatically you are a fruitful field. And the fruitful field is counted as a forest. There's no trees yet. There's no nothing manifesting physically. And, and, and as I saying, as long as the spirit is there, this is what you can expect. This is what it is. And then he says this, then justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. If there's anything that describes God's light, it's this verse right here. <laughs> Once we receive Christ, we receive the salvation of Christ, we have become a fruitful field. And this is where I want to kind of come for a, a little moment. The, when you get seed, is, is the fruit in the seed? The fruit, is it, is it, can you harvest the fruit from the seed? Really? 
Think about it for a moment. <laughs> when you get the seed, the fruit is in the seed. But can you harvest the fruit from the seed? This time in between this thing, right? You got to put the seed in the ground. So what he's saying here is there's already seed in the ground. He's saying the word of God has already been sown. And I said the next step. You know, one thing that amazes me about a little bit of the science that I've taken is I've never had anybody explain what happens when you put a seed in the ground. They always start with you put the seed in the ground, it dies, and the shoot shows up. No one explains in detail what happens when the seed is dead. That transitional time hasn't been defined by science based on the letter that I know. But if the ground is, is benefiting what the seed has put in, I think the very key piece of what Isaiah is saying is the Holy Spirit comes into that mixture and begins to reveal the truth of the seed into this field. And when I'm saying these things, I want you to understand that you are the field God is talking about. And when this word of God comes into your heart, even sometimes you may not even know that you have just received the word. But because of the spirit of God in situational moments, the spirit will start driving you to certain places of your word. And you begin saying, I've read this before, but it did not make this sense. I've prayed this prayer before, but I did not understand it this way. What God is saying is you are a fruitful field. If God needed a man to bring us closer to himself, what do you think he needs now to bring the world back to himself? He needs a fruitful field. I'll keep on going. The work of the righteous will be peace. And the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. I want to ask you a question. In the middle of this year, this COVID year, did you lose your peace somewhere? I was talking to the worship team again. I said, you know what? If we're not writing music in this season, then whatever we write after this season is because we feel, I feel so good. I just want to write a song. We have been given so much time to stay in God's presence, stay at home, hear God's voice, write things down. This is the season. This is the season to be like, God, is what I believe making sense for the world that I live in? Am I a light to where I live? And maybe that's the kind of peace this thing talks about. Verses 18, it says, my people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Though hell comes down on the forest, and the city is brought low in humiliation, verses 20, blessed are you whose soul besides all waters, who send out freely the feet of the ox and the donkey. To me, I like to begin at the bottom of this one because he's beginning with the answer to the top. There's a seed involved, 
and there's a persistency involved, and then, and then the Spirit comes down, and then we begin to see fruit in our lives. And I think at the inception of the church, we see these very things. A bunch of uneducated people believing the Word of God that, he, <laughs> that was sold for them. According to Joel chapter 2, they're in this room experience, and when they leave that room, they are a forest. And everybody can see, man, those guys are fruitful. The smartest people in the world are like, how can I get what you have? You are in the same opportune time today like those guys were from the upper room. You are in the same setting right now to speak into situations that out of your prayer and devotion with God and consistency, you begin to trade into territories that, God, that the, de- the devil would not be prepared for you to go to. Because you're no longer waiting to be moved by a, a person, a system, a government. Can you imagine if, if this message of Christ wasn't true? How could John and Peter stand in front of the Sanhedrin and say, you know what? If you want to kill us, fine. But we will not stop preaching this message. And you know what their prayer was when they left? They went to God and said, God, give us more boldness to declare your message. Do we have that kind of believers left? Do we have that kind of hungry people left? Turn to neighbor and say, you are a fruitful field. Because you have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So the word of God is seed for the field. The Holy Spirit makes the field fruitful. You know, another thing that I've learned, my dad said this all the time. He said, you know what? People are not attracted to the tree. They are attracted to the fruit. When you see the tree going through seasons, well, in America, you don't see this so often. You don't go to it in the fall. It's, it's naked. You don't go to it in the winter. It's just like, ah. But when the mangoes or stuff begins to show up, you're like, ah. I need, for some of us who like farming, you're like, I'm even gonna get some seed. I'm not gonna waste anything about the fruit. And why do most people instead, when you receive the seed of the word of God, you want to give it away to somebody immediately before it makes a change in your life? If people really want to eat the fruit, then that seed has to first work in me, and then I bear fruit for you to eat. Have you found yourself in those categories before? Because I have. I've had a good message and Pastor Dwayne has preached or, or, or whatever pastor is. I'm, I'm so excited and I want to go share it immediately. Like, you know what? This was so good. I need to tell you about it. And then I realized later, I can't do a good job like you did. I realized later, there's a lot of things, there's questions I can't answer. Why? I haven't allowed that word to sink deep within me. And then when it begins to change me, I don't have to explain the change. I'm like, just test the fruit and you will find seed for yourself. You want to have some of this? I got plenty of fruit in, in my life. And I think to me, that's one of the hindrances to why maybe you don't see the miraculous in your life. Because everything you've been taught about the miraculous is you've gotten the seed. They say, declare these words. I declare the words. Let me tell this person. Declare these words. 
Oh, yeah. And you're like, I've declared words for 20 years of my life, and it's not. <laughs> I've prayed in the closet. I've sung. I have I've rolled over. And maybe, and I'm not saying that this is always the case, but have you, has this thing been conceived in your life and changed your life for other people to eat off of your fruit? I want to take you to Luke chapter 1, verses 35 and 38. It says, And the angel answered and said to Mary, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. This is now the sixth month for her who was barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And then Mary said, Behold the might servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. What did Mary conceive? The word. What brought the word to fruition? The overshadowing of the Holy Spirit. What happened to Mary? Her size changed physically. I was trying to make just to get there. So she conceived the word. The Holy Spirit brought revelation, and her physical life changed. In other words, she, she didn't have to explain what she was about to give birth to. She didn't have to defend what she was about to give birth to, because everybody could see the change in her life. Her husband almost left until... The Holy Spirit, again, had to explain to the husband, this change is not by any man. This change is by the conception of the word of God. And what did Joseph do? I'm on board. And now the entire process of what's going on, the Holy Spirit is involved, the word is involved, and Mary is involved. And now the other process, how is it going to come to pass? Where is it going to come to pass? Think about it for a moment. What are some words this year, through all the services that we have had, we counted a little bit in WCA. This year, all services are raised life. We are 416 plus. At every single one of those services, you had a message. And probably you left encouraged, empowered, and ready to take on the world. How many of those messages have changed you? How many of those messages have made you, when, when you walk around your neighborhood, they're like, man, something has happened in his life, in her life. What church do they go to? Their community is, is impacted by the light that they carry. There's a research that on average we listen to about maybe two million messages a year. And maybe the impact of what we miss most of the time is allowing this to take root. Let me ask you this one question before I start wrapping up. When did God speak to Mary again? When did Mary have the second encounter with God? 
Think about it. They were far in between. Faithfulness to the word had to carry Mary through some moments that were critical. I'll take you to one of them, the one we just celebrated just yesterday. <laughs> no, room, no room in town. The God who owns the heavens and earth? Really? You couldn't just create a heavenly shelter for us? No. No midwife? Come on, God, what kind of class are we talking about here? And here we are, direct, directly to what was prophesied is happening in this little town. And do you know to me what amazes me the most is heaven couldn't wait to get here, but we were chilling in the fields. Angels had to come be like, hey, come on, shepherds, you need to, you need to be over there and not here. Haven't you heard? In other words, this message has been around. It had been in their temples. It had been probably in their houses. Scrolls were there. People knew the prophecies. That's how the wise men knew about it. And here we are at the exact moment it's happening. No, they hadn't conceived the message. It was a regular day for them. But heaven and angels are so excited to the point that I need to go see this man. I need to go see this son of God. I need to, I mean, angels just came down and worshipped. And that's why to me, when the Bible says that when one of us gives our lives to Jesus, angels celebrate. It, it, it sounds like every single moment we turn our lives over to Jesus, we, we are adopted in the family. So there's a reason for them to celebrate. Just like Jesus being fully human was a son of God all over again and angels celebrate. So it makes a difference of what eternal life we have. It makes a difference when it changes us. Acts 10, 44, I'm going to wrap up with this. I have about 50 minutes left. Acts 10, 44, while Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Again, Holy Spirit, word. And those of circumcision who believed were astonished. And as many as came with Peter, because of the gift of the Holy Spirit, had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they had them speak in tongues and magnify God. Uh, I, I, I wish I had time to break this down further. So at first they even thought that this gospel they had was just for them. This gospel that had changed them was for them. And they're thinking, they had already put this limit on what this gospel could do. And you say, you know what? It has changed us and our location. It has changed me and my household. It has changed, you know, res life and its walls. It has changed, you know, and you, like, if I need to receive this thing, I need to go to that location and that location. And this verse is saying, he preached the message and the Holy Spirit showed up and everybody in the room got transformed and they started speaking in other tongues. 
It sounds like the definition of Peter saying, let there be light. It sounds like Peter is saying there has been so much loss, so much brokenness in this room that the moment he, he focused on the message, on this gospel that had already been preached throughout the centuries, that he now had, had conceived in himself and the change was seen. The change they saw in him is what caused him to have the invitation to come to that house in the first place. They saw what was happening in his life. They're like, you know, we need to invite Peter to come to our house. They probably had some questions. He didn't deal with any. He showed up and he shared the gospel message. If you read the verses before, he tells them about forgiveness of sin. He tells them about the blood of Jesus. He tells them about the resurrection of Jesus. He tells them about a little bit of the history of what this gospel had birthed. And at the end of what he shared, the Holy Spirit filled this room. God was magnified and an entire household of Gentiles, people that they thought maybe should not receive this message or may not receive this message are being transformed. What am I saying? What they conceived transformed them. What they spoke was fervent and effective spiritually on others. What you speak when you've conceived the word of God has no other option but to be effective to those you speak it to. That was the major difference between the paganism of the world and the wisdom of the world and the smartest people of the ancient Christianity. They could not understand how a believer could be so sure. God heals. And yet in their system, it was wired as though, you know, If this doesn't work, it means something may be wrong here. If this don't work, it means we we need to flip the table here. How about you come and clean the church pews? Take care of the flowers? Maybe God will forgive you that way. But these guys would walk into the room with the solid message of the Holy Spirit showing up. And they say, you are healed by his stripes. Your business is going to survive whatever calamity it is. Your situation is going to change. Thus says the Lord. Is that the confidence our world is asking of us today? I feel like the enemy has been after the believer's confidence. Bandy, if you don't mind, come back up. I, believe, I've, I mean, I, could, I just sensed it when I was home with this thing, and I'm like, because there were so many doubts running through my head. Vaccine, pills, I may not see my family, I'm in this far land, my mom is freaked out, Uh, I mean, you can't fly, you can't do this, and it was like, I was getting myself like caved, caved in, caved in, caved in, and then all of a sudden I started getting this thought of like, does, why is everything that's caving me in coming from outside, but I don't feel anything coming from inside out? And I began to sense there was a little glimmer of hope on the inside of me that I started to to tap into. No, I can get out of bed. I can at least turn on some music, even though I don't want to hear anything right now. I can at least get this word of God to begin to blossom on the inside of me. That's where this message came from. It's like, you know, it's not just a light switch. This light never goes off. And maybe it's more of a consuming fire 
than it is an internal sheltered light like this. This is good. But what if we took it further to say this, this whole thing was consumed by fire? Can you imagine what environments you would walk in and people would feel uncomfortable immediately? Because when you walk in when you're on fire, what happens? Heat. Now, when the other person is also on fire, you won't even sense your heart. But when you walk into a room where someone is ice cold, they're going to want to start taking off some clothes. But do you think that's what God wants for the church today? That when you walk into those situations that you don't even know about, you walk into a place and they're like, I just felt like I needed to let you know there's something God is doing. I could share testimonies upon testimonies from villages of where I grew up of people who don't even have access to meds for even the littlest of sicknesses. And now COVID is like, they thought they were, they were going to be ground zero over there. And they're noticing, no, this thing ain't washing us out. <laughs> it's actually churches are being birthed. Ministries are blowing out of the roof. You know what is happening is people are getting, pastors are getting a word from the Lord on what to do, when to do it. And these things are working, but the news would not share that with you. And I can tell you this, it's because of the Spirit of God. When they have nowhere else to turn, the light of God in them just shines.